Hi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Um, and I'm hosting this podcast with... My name is uh, Emily. Emilia. Uh, I am a part of the UN students in uh, Norway, in Trondheim. Uh, and I'm also a civil engineering student at NTNU. And my name is Mats Hagen. I'm also a student, and I'm also a member of the UN Students Association in Norway, in Trondheim. You are even the vice president in Trondheim. Yeah, vice president. <laughs> yeah. And I know. study musicology. Okay. My name is Princess, and I'm a student at Antonio, and also part of the Sustainability Center here. And we are very glad to have you here today. It's actually a privilege to have this collaboration with us on the UN Week. So what do you have to say about the, the UN Week and the targeted goals? Because we are really eager to know what's about. Uh, I'm really glad you asked. Uh, so uh, the UN Theme Week uh, is uh, a week held by the UN students in Trondheim for the entire week. It is uh, four days in total, and we are now on day three. Uh, so each day focuses on a couple of uh, sustainability goals. Uh, so we are focusing on goal four, five, and ten regarding education, uh, equality, and less uh, inequality, and specifically then on yeah. five. Yeah, uh, our main goal today for this podcast is uh, the goal number five, which is about the gender inequality or equality between the genders. Uh, and more specifically about empowering women to uh, pursue leadership positions, uh, both politically, economically, and in public life. Yeah, just a stronger position in society. Yeah, in general. In general. Okay, yeah. then that's very interesting to know with go 4, 5, and 10. It, it basically means that we are empowering girls through education and also bridging the gap of inequality on the global field. And that's very interesting to know. So it's going to be a long talk today, and we we will be happy to have you comment, ask questions. There will be a five minutes after the whole discussion to ask questions or also share your thoughts about what we are discussing today. Yeah. yeah. So if you have any comments, any questions, yeah. anything, remember. <laughs> so to set the ball rolling, what do you think about women empowerment in Norway? I suppose yeah. we need to talk a little bit about history first. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, Norway is actually one of the most uh, equal countries in the world. Uh, and with that, I think it's important to, that we don't act as a kind of savior, but more as an example for other countries. Because um, as one of also one of the richest countries in the world, we, we have a lot of resources that it's important to know that most other countries in the world don't have. Um, so it's much easier for us to work on such matters than it will be for uh, many other countries, uh, which have uh, not less important matters, but uh, more pressing matters to focus on. One thing I'd like to point out is that there is one resource that every country in the world has, uh, and that is women. And women and girls are a resource that not every country is actually using. But the road to equality has been really long and really hard. Absolutely. I think that we can start uh, or have a really quick uh, recap on the history from the 18th century. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because equality has been on the political agenda for quite yeah. some time. We could start even earlier, but we don't have a lot of time today. Because uh, we, we have fought for equal salary, for equal work. We have fought for equal uh, legal rights, uh, more women in leading positions. Yeah. Uh, but the, one of the earliest official uh, feminists 
That was Ibsen, wasn't that yeah. Ibsen? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the history of equality is actually intertwined with the history of Norwest nation, so mm-hmm. um, it's um, it's quite prevalent. So um, it's quite noticeable that um, Norway has had past prime ministers yeah. who has been in power. Who has? So do you like to say anything about that? Yeah, I think I think we can start a bit earlier mm-hmm. at first, and then get back to that later on. Um, because I'm sure everyone, at least in Norway, has heard about Ibsen, um, which made a, a play called Adult's House, or Atykehus. Atykehus. Uh, is so much so uh, that actually in China, um, feminism is known as Noraism. And for those who don't know, Noraism is considered as one of Norway's first. Um, and in the 1800s, uh, women's role in society was uh, not noticeable. Uh, not equal as as uh, it's today. Uh, they don't not, did not have the right to work, and they were actually without any legal capacity. Yeah. Um, the men had all made all the decisions for them in their daily lives. Yeah, um, their political rights. Yeah. They had. Yeah, women were basically just housewives and uh, birthing machines. Mm. Absolutely, uh, and this was the first wave of feminism. Many other orders also uh, joined Ibsen later on. Um, and this first wave made the foundation uh, for the second wave of feminism, which was not to change the um, position of women in marriage, which the first wave was about, but to change, uh, to, to fight for uh, women to have the same rights as men. Mm. And maybe you can say something about that, um, Lilia? Yeah, sure, I can. Yeah? Uh, so uh, the biggest change we had in uh, in feminism uh, or in just uh, equality, that mm. was around the uh, 1970, 1970 shift. Uh, so before this, uh, women were more stay-at-home wives, uh, yeah, taking care of the children. They didn't take, and uh, they didn't go especially much to school, except the Husmorskole, the stay-at-home wife school. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, they weren't politics. They weren't politicians. They weren't lawyers, doctors, anything like that. Uh, on on a general basis, uh, yeah. uh, but but afterwards, uh, women started taking a more active place in uh, in, polit- in politics. So, for example, uh, we can say that uh, we have Gro uh, Harlem Brundtland. She was the first female prime minister in Norway, mm-hmm. and she became a prime minister already around 1981. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. pretty cool. Yeah, that's good to know. So it means that there were role models before Annie Solberg then. So it's he um, she kind of played a role model character for a lot of women in Norway to be empowered. Yeah. And now we had like um, Prime Minister Annie Sobek, and now Annie Sobek too is like a role model to the young girls coming up. And it's quite interesting to know. So from history, we had a feminine play into development or into political decision and coming in. And now coming in, Annie Sobek too is a role model for the youth coming. That's very, very interesting to know. It is. But I would also like to point out, uh, going from history to the present, even though Norway is one of the world's most equal countries, uh, we're not entirely equal yet. Uh, For example, uh, men still earn more than women. uh, And lots of the minimum pensioners in Norway 
are women. Actually, uh, pensioners, that is um, retired people. Uh, and one out of four females who are retired, uh, one out of five, sorry, uh, are minimum pensioners. So, And also mm. uh, there are large gender differences at the top of the business world. Yeah. So we see still that Norway isn't equal yet. And also one of the um, uh, changes we saw during the uh, last half of the 1900s was the war where the men had to leave their houses to go to war and the women had to stay at home and take on responsibilities that the men yeah. previously did. They, they had yeah. to substitute the men, yeah. take, take the men's job. And that was actually a bit of a turning point for women's voting rights uh, because uh, especially after World War I, uh, there hadn't uh, the, the, all the men had to go to war. There was a huge war in Europe, uh, so the wom- the women had to substitute the men and take their job. And that's when they actually got to show what they're good for. Uh, and after this, many European countries uh, gave women the right to vote. I think Norway was um, pretty early. I think they gave women the right to vote in parliamentary elections in uh, 1913. Countries such as um, Germany, France, and Great Britain, they gave much later. I think maybe even after World War II. Okay, then that's very good to know. So it means that with time passing through, women has been very active in every sector, both mm. political, economic, and even social. Because I know, I don't know. So do you think in Norway we have women in military now? Yes. So they, yeah. we even have women protecting. Um, the country like with security and stuff then that is very good to know so with all this empowerment yeah. in Norway with everything going on what do you think are some of the benefits coming down from pot- um, political economically and socially what are some of the benefits today uh, I'd say uh, I think that uh, the former Prime Minister Jens Stoltenberg uh, he was the Prime Minister before Anna Solberg uh, I think he had a really good quote Uh, regarding the benefit and the resource that women are to society. Mm. Uh, So what he said, and I've translated this to English, is that um, if women, if Norwegian women's participation in the labor force were to be reduced to the OECD average, which is the Organization for Co-Economic Operation and Development, Mm. the value of this production loss would correspond to our entire oil wealth, including that which is underground. That is is a lot. And you can just imagine all the countries in the world have women. There is not a country in the world without women, meaning that all the countries in the world have their own oil resource. Imagine that. So it's like, um, I think women are with high population over the world. So if the world got this amount of resource then the world should be rich with women being involved in everything. Yes, definitely. And I also think that this is a really um, underestimated resource. Uh, I heard uh, somebody say that in 1969, Norway discovered a resource that made us the richest country in the world. And it's very natural to think oil, because Norway has lots of oil and Norway is Mm. pretty rich. But no, the, the resource that they meant were actually women and girls participating in society equal to men. So economically, um, Norwegian um, economy is doing very well. And I think it's a role model for other countries out there to look up to Norway to involve more women and empower women into development and involve more women into, like, make use of the human resources in there. Yes. Yeah. So it will really help. 
Yeah, no, Norwegian women and and men, for that sake, they are they are taxpayers for one, uh, mm-hmm. contributing to the welfare state that we see mm-hmm. in Norway today. Yeah. But they also contribute to making the wheel spin. Imagine what Norway would be if uh, half its machine uh, fell away. If if all the females that are doctors, teachers, lawyers, politicians, they work at the local Rema. What if all of them were to have to stay at home? What would happen to the Norwegian uh, gross domestic product? Yeah. Apart. It yeah. would. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Norway, as we see it today, would never exist without women. Yeah. And um, it's also um, noticeable to know that Norway survives a lot on our tax. So if we have every woman staying home in the capacity of being a woman, then there will be low tax and less revenue for the government to operate on. So right now we have every woman out there trying their best to contribute their best to the economy, and it's going to increase the government revenue for everything. We have good roads, good policies, good healthcare system, system and everything. I I was going to say that um, it's not just gold gold uh, fields and uh, forests yeah. out there. That's a Norwegian, uh, <laughs> Norwegian saying, by the way. <laughs> uh, because yeah. we aren't entirely equal yet, men and women, no. and specifically not when it comes to economic equality. Yeah. And I think that's a really important subject mm. we need to address. Yeah. Um, I think most people in Norway um, have seen uh, DNBs, like the Norwegian Bank's campaign yeah. uh, about She Invests. Hashtag yeah, hashtags, yeah. Okay. Uh, amount of women that invests is a lot lower than uh, amount of men that invests. That is uh, that is entirely true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, this, yeah. Sorry, you, you go. Okay, <laughs> uh, and this is uh, intertwined with uh, what you mentioned earlier, with um, more women being on the lower side of the pensioners mm-hmm. um, because they don't have these um, assets saved up from investing. That's entirely yeah. true. So um, uh, the thing is about the thing is that uh, a huge majority of the stock market is uh, or privately owned assets on the Oslo Stock Exchange is owned by men. So uh, the Norwegian bank, DNB, they launched a campaign called She Invest, uh, where they basically say that women can't rule the world if we don't own it. Uh, so the background for uh, the campaign she invests is that in to- 2018, 2.5 billion Norwegian kroners were distributed as risk capital uh, to help new entrepreneurs get on their feet, basically. Uh, the thing is that only 2% uh, of the companies, or only 2% of this money went to companies that only consist of female entrepreneurs, whilst, on the other hand, uh, 80% of the money went to companies uh, with only male Entrepreneurs. Yeah. So there was uh, uh, there there was a huge inequality mm. uh, among the entrepreneurs, and then Dembe thought that they have to launch a campaign to help and to help women take control of their own economy uh, to help them invest. I think that lots of investment uh, is centered around not knowing enough. Uh, and then wanting not to put your money out in the stock markets. So that's yeah. also, I would say that's also a way of empowering women yeah. to yes. invest and yeah. get more. 
it's not investment is not just about guys or yeah, men no. it's about women and everybody so if yeah. men are making it then i think women we should also make it through investment that's Absolutely. very interesting to know yeah, i think I, that that's also a part of the way to get into these um leadership positions because through investing you get a place in boards uh and in decision making Yeah, you definitely, you definitely do. And I would just like to say before we go forward uh, that uh, on a general basis, women are on a more weaker economic ground than men. Uh, we distribute our money differently. Uh, so men uh, and men are, um, I can say it this way, uh, that the exec- executive vice president for the retail market at Denbe, called Ingrid. Ingerd Spiten said that Denbe has seen through their own customer data, there is a general imbalance between uh, women and men. For example, that men has a larger net worth than women, uh, that they receive 23 billion in capital income more uh, than women, and that in 2017, the difference between women's and men's growth wealth, gross wealth uh, were 1,216 billion knocks, which is equivalent to a state budget. Okay, so then we have to go. So politically, first, really like what, um, how do you think Norway has benefited from women empowerment politically? Uh, I'd say, firstly, that female leaders are profitable. Uh, this is proven. Um, uh, according to the UN, it's proven that by strengthening the position of women, economic growth and development increase. So economic growth uh, follows. Uh, And according to the UN website, a study showed that including female leaders in the board of a company increased the profit by 15%. And this also increased the company's stocks. Yeah. Um, I think we we do have um, examples from home. Like uh, we have two two, uh, female, very recent female, um, what's it called, uh, state prime ministers. Uh, Gro Brundtland and Anna Solberg, mm-hmm. which I think for many women today have have stood as a kind of for um, um, uh, example example for other women to follow. Uh, That's definitely true. Yeah. Okay, and, and also if I could say something, mm-hmm. um, it is that um, in politics uh, it is crucial to have women in decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could also see this over the change in the 1970s, that when more women came into politics, for example, under Brundtland's government, uh, she had a female, it's known as the female government, because it was the first time in history there were uh, not more than 60% men in it. Uh, I think that uh, women stand as an example to other women. Yeah. Uh, so it's still, yeah. yes. And uh, actually, it, it is required by law to have uh, uh, at least forty percent women in in the parliament. It is since two thousand six. Yes. Yeah. And and you you had some experience because you're a politician yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have some experience that it can be difficult to uh, get women into politics. Yeah, I, I'm actually a, a part of youth politics, which is where everything starts, where you educate the youth to become politicians, and uh, at least in our municipality. Um, we we have a problem with recruiting women, so we are mostly guys in in the board. Um, so we do have work to do. That. It's important. It's important to start early on. It is. Yeah, in education too. Okay, yeah. so that's good. So in some, it's like um, women being in decision making has helped bring about good policies. Um, 
and also good they make good policies to empower women and gender quotas for organizations for for them to involve women in organize um in their activities and institution it also like gender should be cho- um women are being cho- um chosen into this organization if they are qualified for that position and that is not bad so women who think they are capable to be part of development they don't stay at home they are also given the platform and the quota mm. absorbs them into yeah. this organization yes. that's mm. good to know the quota was um was an incentive to get women into society into leading jobs uh, this was also a really part th- this was also a really important part of the big change that happened around the 1970s mm. to get women out of the home and into uh, the society yeah so socially so socially what can we say because we have like yeah. five Socially, it's very broad subject, and we have not a lot of time, as you say. Um, but um, it's it's broad. It can be like in a household, where uh, if you do chores as a dad, you are seen as a uh, helpful dad. But if you do chores as a, ma- a woman, you're just a, a mom. And if you are watching a child, you are involved as a dad. And if you're and as a mom, you just a mom. And like if you buy fast food, you're you're fun as a dad and as a mom, you might, might be seen as lazy because you don't cook food. Uh, and on a larger scale, like uh, I think it's um, uh, difficult not to mention our current situation with the war in Ukraine, um, that um, men are required to stay and fight in the country, but yeah. women are, are required Maybe or encouraged to live. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a problem on two different uh, points. One, it, it, it's say, implying that women are not capable of fighting mm-hmm. by, by encouraging them to leave. And, <coughs> and on the second hand, it's also a matter of gender inequality. Like yeah, because, forcing women yeah, to, sta- sta- to stay by and, and fight. Forcing men to stay, stay and fight. So just because you're a man, you have to stay and fight. So that's um, uh, like uh, the fifth goal is what we call it, right? Actually, I'd like to sum up like... Um, the the government has really helped bring policies like the maternity, which has really helped the maternity and paternity leave. I also contribute by saying it has helped both parental genders to contribute to raise, bringing up these kids. Like the kid will have both the mother and the father love, not the um, the responsibility of just the mother in bringing up the kid, and which is it's a very good idea. Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of fathers out there pulling the one and trying to make the kids stop crying and it's very good to know because they have to stay home and take care of their kids so while mm. the woman is also doing their best at work. Mm. So that's very interesting to know. So the last point before our time is up and we welcome more comments and questions. What can you say about gender equality and not gender bias as we, we opt to achieve women empowerment? So what can we say about gender equality and not gender bias in the long run? In achieving women empowerment, how do we make sure we achieve gender equality, not yeah. being gender so biased? It, it is important that we don't uh, overgo ourselves, if I can mm. say that, and and make. Uh, I think this is the misconception about feminism that mm. it makes women better than men, yeah. uh, which I think is uh, it's not the not the mm. intent by the word. But it's important that we don't push the men down in order to empower mm, women everyone uh, so by saying um for example by one for women you you are implying that um it's just for women but yeah. 
And by that, we, by that creating, and by that creating a bias. Mm. Yeah. I also think yeah. that. Yeah, I think that yeah. was a really good point, mm. including men into feminism. Yeah. yeah. So to add up before the few seconds, I also think that we should focus on achieving gender equality and not focus and not make the popularity of women empowerment reduce the masculine voice too because their voice needs mm. to be heard. So all in the long run, we will end up going back to achieving men empowerment, which we don't want to be <laughs> having discussion now. So it should be equal and balanced. And we don't have to be gender but SDGs. Do you see a connection to for this very important to- um, topic? Sorry, uh, that would be specifically an SDG five, uh, mm. which is right here yeah. uh, regarding yeah. equality between the genders. Yeah. Uh, I would like to point out um, some of the recent campaigns that you probably have noticed uh, in news and such, and that are women changing the first name to Arne at LinkedIn. Uh, so the background information for this is that from the series Lykkeland, we see a woman uh, with an econo- with a degree within economics and good grades, and still she can't get a job because she is a woman. Uh, and then she changes her name to Arne on her applications, because her real name is Anna. And then she gets a job at, at once. Uh, this, uh, this is, of course, uh, a series. It's not uh, real. But I think many women can relate to Anne. Yeah, that they, they feel like they have yeah. been uh, discriminated based on the gender uh, that people or some people may think that you don't actually have mm. qualifications because yeah. of your gender Absolutely. so we can see uh, female politicians changing their first name or placing the name yeah. Arne in front of yeah. their actual name on LinkedIn yeah was here the, the number four like education mm-hmm. I think that's also important at least in Norway, we have come very far at that point, but in developing countries, it's important to start there to educate women and men yeah. uh, in order to um, achieve equality. And and also yeah. and and also um, make sure that we, we need to have more women in yeah. leading positions. This is something that uh, I myself is especially uh, encouraged about uh, because I th- in Norway. By Anna, thank you for your question. So what are the key policies? So um, I'd like to mention of the Nordic gender model, which have, um, maybe we can, you can just take a look at, uh, at that. So it has really helped, it's, most of the European countries look up to the Nordic gender mm-hmm. model, which also helps in bridging the equality gap. So you can take a look at that, which has really helped. That involves the paternity and the maternity leaves, involving women in decision-making, involving women in institution and a lot. So that's fine. And the next question is, um, Linia, do you feel like it? Oh, do you feel like it has been a disadvantage for you to be a woman if you want to be a leader? Uh, this is really relevant for what I uh, was talking about with the Arna campaign. Uh, that it can be a disadvantage to be a woman to get up and forth uh, in society. Uh, for example. Uh, there are more top leaders in Norway called Arne than there are female top leaders. Um, and also, uh, only 40% of the 14% of the biggest companies in Norway are led by female managers. So uh, this gives, um, th- this implies that uh, having f- that, that it is difficult for women to become leaders. 
in uh, in Norway. Yeah. Okay, I also add up that um, I think the society gives the platform for women to be absorbed as leaders. But also, as an individual woman, you need to assume or take the stance of um, building your capabilities mm-hmm. to get that position. Because um, so the society we have, like we, we've got um, recent um, role models to look up to, and they, got the, and they got the capability to be there, and they did incredibly amazing in that position. So I think Norway has really done well, and... Um, empowered and train a lot of girls out there. So just find yourself there and build your capabilities yeah. to be there. But Kat, yeah. have you had any personal experience with gender equality in your personal lives by Naomi? Uh, I actually had one experience myself. Um, just some weeks ago, we had an election in our um, youth politics Munich um, capital um, where we elected a new board and one of the there was two um, deputy leaders, and one of them was elected. Who was elected was a female, mm-hmm. but she was um, uh, voted out by the board. Uh, she was she was um, capable, and she had qualifications. Uh, but then later on, people just went on apologizing. Oh no, it was was not because you was were uh, uh, a female. It was because we found something more qualified. Uh, and I started apologizing. Apologizing, um, but that um, made her feel that she was good, but not good enough. Yeah. And then, when she was offered a place as a board member instead of a deputy leader, she lost all motivation and she just uh, didn't want to join. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good to know. So, I think my own personal experience would be way back in high school mm. when I thought I was competing with a guy, and at the moment, within me, I felt like. He's a guy and he deserves it. So I was like, during my reading my manifesto, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a girl, but I don't know if you guys are going to vote for me. And I think he would do exceedingly better. So maybe I should just advise him. Just that. But that was like low confidence at then because I didn't know what I was capable of. And growing up over the years, I'm really building my capabilities, getting to know that, whoa, I'm a woman and I can go in for any position. Uh, I have uh, one last thing I'd like to say to this question. Uh, my turn to answer, I suppose. Uh, but there is something that I have noticed that annoys me on a general basis. Mm-hmm. And that is that women, um, it, it's so much easier to, uh, to talk about women as girls. For example, in my study, uh, I study civil engineering. I'm in my fourth year now. Uh, I think that it falls people really easily to say that, yeah, the girls in my group, they are blah, 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 or the, the girl that I'm sitting next to is or something. Uh, basically saying girl instead of woman. But you're not saying necessarily boy to a person at the same age. And I think that uh, addressing a woman as a girl whilst a man that is uh, that with an equal age as a man instead of a boy, that is minimalizing women. And that is something that annoys me, and I think that... uh, I don't think people do it on purpose, but I think it's something that we should start to think about. Okay, so I think we are way beyond time. (laughs) And thank you very much, Emily and Mats, for joining us and for having this great discussion. It's also a form of education for everyone out there to be empowered to know what is going on in Norway to have all this realization that, hey, you're a girl and you can do it and you can do it maybe even better. So 
take chances, build your capabilities, get to know more, get there, and also help in development. So as men, we or we need both hands on decks to make everything work. Thank you very much for, for today's session and today's podcast. It was nice having you at the thank center. You for thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having us.